This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex. No, it's not. My name is Brian Fitton, and I am honored to take over the episode today to bring you an adoptive dad's interview, and uh, we'll get into that in just a second. We've got all kinds of great information and stuff from uh, Mr. Peter, or aka uh, Foster Dad Flipper on Instagram. You guys need to follow him. He's got 57,000 followers on Instagram, something crazy, uh, just documenting his story of what he's done with adopting, um, you know, a boy and then obviously fostering, uh, several boys. But anyway, uh, make sure you guys uh, go follow him over there. But, uh, I'm very, very excited to jump into this episode. So typically, um, we do one episode, a, a season that is focused kind of on adoptive dads. So if you are listening right now and you have a husband or a friend who is who needs to hear this episode, we get into a lot of really, really good stuff. So, uh, But I promise you, next week, uh, the amazing, talented, beautiful uh, host that usually does this show, Alex Fitton, she'll, she will be back. So I wanted to throw out a few things real quick and make sure that you guys know just from me and my heart, um, I just appreciate everyone who sends all the encouraging notes that you guys do, the people who support Alex on Patreon and who are in the Facebook group and signed up on the email list, um, getting all of the good grief, the crazy amount of content that she uh, gives out over all of those platforms. Um, I I can't tell you how many nights she stays up just getting all this information to you guys, building out these five-day Bible studies that are tied to the uh, the episodes, the the blog posts that she's writing, the the guests that she's she's working with, as well as just supporting, you know, the late night phone calls that people are calling or Marco polling or whatever. Um, she's just helping out so many people and so many women, um, specifically adoptive moms in this space. And I am I'm just grateful for her and all the hard hard work that she's doing. Um, and so if you are looking for ways to support her or even get some of that additional content, um, Patreon is a great way to do that. So thank you to those who are supporting her already on Patreon. You know the amount of content that's over there is just crazy. And so you guys will get extra shows that she does, as well as, you know, Peter and I actually got to do this um, ourselves. And there's like a little fun round of, of an interview basically that we do at the end um, that will be used for Patreon specifically. So if you want all of that awesome additional content, that will be at patreon.com slash the adoptive mom. And so make sure you guys check that out. Sign up over there. I mean, anything little helps. I mean, obviously there are costs involved with producing a podcast and she handles it. I mean, she does it really well and I'm very, very proud of her. And so anyway, if you guys have any type of uh, questions or comments, make sure that you uh, reply or join all the, uh, like I said, the Facebook group or interact on Instagram. And uh, we're going to get into this awesome episode with Mr. Peter. It was fantastic. And I'm very, very excited to share this with you. Uh, so let's just, let's get it kicked off. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am Brian Fitton. I am not Alex Fitton. I'm the husband 
of the adoptive mom. And uh, I am honored today to uh, bring you a dad's episode. We try to do these once a season. And I'm so excited to talk with Peter, the foster dad flipper. Uh, he's been on the podcast before, but how are you doing today, Peter? I am doing well, enjoying the weather here in North Carolina, Charlotte. Yeah, I, well, you actually, so we're actually filming this as well, so you guys can watch this interview um, later on if you're listening to it right now, but Peter has an awesome Charlotte shirt on there. Show us, show us your, uh, your representing there, North Carolina. <laughs> yes. Love it, love it, that's so cool. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I love, love North Carolina, mainly Charlotte. I've only been to Charlotte, kind of flown in there, and we've had, I've had meetings and stuff, kind of downtown, but that downtown area is beautiful. Uh, it's just a beautiful place. You you like living there? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing you do. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. We've been here for one year and we love it. Uh, I wasn't prepared for the pollen they have here. I mean, it's like, a, uh, it's like snow and dust in the air, but otherwise uh, it's been a wonderful place to live. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, we uh, we definitely have our allergy uh, uh, triggers here in the South as well here in Arkansas. And so um, we, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's something to get used to. It definitely is. I've lived in other areas where it's like not as bad, but whew, man, this, this Southern Eastern Eastern area definitely gets its, uh, its full allergy uh, and pollen uh, dusting. So, well, hey, we are, ex I'm excited to talk about um, really uh, diving into what it's like to raise boys and adopt boys and and really look at what it looks like as a father. And we say it, boys, I mean, it, it is one of those things that, um, you know, I have, I have a little girl myself. And so a lot of what I do, um, you know, in parenting and fathering, it is kind of split a little bit, but today we're going to really kind of focus on what it's like to um, father and parent and teach, you know, boys who specifically you've adopted or, you know, different, different uh, bios and different different perspectives on this. And so I'm excited to jump into this topic. But first, uh, Peter, tell us a little bit about you and just kind of just a quick overview of your backstory. Uh, well, my name is Peter Musabazi. I'm born and raised from Uganda, but I've been living in the United States for the last uh, 17 years, which is really fun. And I actually just recently became a U.S. citizen. And I've been a force. Oh, thank awesome. you. Yeah. Yes. So I've been a foster dad in the last three and a half years, and I've had uh, 13 boys, uh, and matter of fact, uh, I just received my 13th boy uh, 10 days ago. So it's been really fun, and uh, it's been a joy really being a, a single foster dad. Yes, you know, I had to, to, to be a parent one, I had to be a parent just you as a male uh, is really difficult, but it's been really fun for me uh, to learn and grow uh, and let the kids teach me also how best I can be uh, as a man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a, that's definitely a role, especially as a single dad. Um, but 13 boys, I'm going to tell you, we, we fostered as well and not definitely not 13. Uh, but that is, a, that's an undertaking just in and of itself. I'm sure you've seen uh, a wide variety of different personalities come through your home. Absolutely. I've had the youngest two and the oldest 11. So currently my adopted son is uh, 13, about to be 14, uh, and I just have a foster boy who's seven. So, yeah, so I've had, I've had all the range. Uh, so it's been fun and wonderful for sure. Yeah, and you do a great job of kind of documenting your journey through this, uh, through Instagram. Um, and they can follow you at the, not the, it's Foster Dad Flipper, right? On right. Instagram? 
Okay. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Make sure you guys check him out. Um, just because you have, a, I, it's awesome that you've done it so well. I mean, the photos are always terrific and you have just great insight. And so anyone who's in the foster care, um, system and, and kind of going through that as foster parents, um, I always enjoy seeing your posts pop up. Um, so I will say too, you have, at, so Alex had actually previously interviewed you on episode 66. So if you guys want to, you can jump back and listen to that episode um, to get more of Peter's backstory and just kind of all the, the amazing things that he's done and kind of his journey as well. So make sure you guys jump over to that. Um, but we definitely wanted to uh, really get into kind of the meat of, of this because um, there's so much insight, Peter, that you gave on that last episode. And so we want to kind of you know, go down a little bit even deeper on that. Um, when it comes to being a father, uh, we know on these episodes, these father episodes, we always try to, you know, I always try to talk with somebody who's, who's in the space and who's kind of maybe has a different perspective on, on different things in the adoption world. Um, would you actually like to give us an update? You mentioned, um, your adopted son, but I think when you guys previously recorded, uh, you were just in that process, but, uh, yeah, share kind of that story of, of your, of your adopted son. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we had we went we lived in uh, in in Oklahoma, and so it took a little while since I moved to Charlotte. So the last time I talked to Alex, we were going through the uh, the adoption, and you know actually uh, the adoption was complete uh, in November. So uh, it's been what six seven months. I finally have you my last name, and, and it's been really wonderful. Oh, uh, you know, for amazing. the last two years waiting. Uh, and so it's been exciting, funny to to complete the whole adoption process. Yeah, absolutely. And that so he is the thirteen, almost fourteen year old, correct? Correct. That's awesome. Well, congratulations, and that's a that's a big day. That's a definitely a big day. I, I remember for us, we we adopted a fourteen year old, and uh, it was it was so. It, 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 was, it was a long time coming. It wasn't two years for us. So, I mean, it was, it was a little bit shorter than that, but that's a, that's a long time to kind of go through and obviously all the paperwork and everything and making sure at that point too, because they're old enough to decide on their own. Right. And so we kind of went through and making sure that he understood what it looks like, you know, to take our name and be a part of our family and stuff. And uh, it was definitely a really cool experience. So congratulations. Oh yeah, it was fun. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, the adoption day wasn't the big day. I think the big day was when he got to be called by my last name. That's when he hit me. It's like, oh my goodness. Uh, you know, on the intercom, you hear them calling Mutabazia. You're in the waiting line number two, and you're thinking, wow. Uh, and I think for me, that's when he hit me, and it's been a joy for sure, and and a great learning as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's so cool. That is so cool. Um, all right. So kind of one of the first um, first topics that we want to kind of jump down, but you know, what's it like really raising boys in general? Because like we said, you've had kind of a, a large spectrum of boys and sometimes you have, I'm sure that you've had short stays with them but and then longer stays with others. Um, but what's it like uh, really raising boys when it, who don't have a positive father figure in your life, you know, kind of coming in your home or maybe they um, were abused by their fathers or, or just even, you know, absent fathers in general. Um, what's that like? And, and kind of what, what has your experience been like in that? So I've had a, a variety range of experiences. So I've had some that, you know, they had very abusive fathers. So they were they're scared of male. Uh, then I have those that didn't have a father and were longing to have one, you know, and they walk in the house and they, they see you and they, 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 they somehow there's something that comes on. They're like, okay, I feel safe because I've been looking for this, you know, looking for 
for you as a dad, not necessarily uh, understanding your traits and why, you know, what your family rules are, but really excited that they can have a male to talk to. Then the, the, the majority of my kids have been fostered by mainly a female, you know. So coming to a male-only house, uh, that also has been, you know, one, in an amazing way, just how we communicate, but also on the other side, uh, challenges as well of something they weren't sure or they didn't know or they didn't have experience in some way and are still figuring out what does this man say? I mean, what does he mean, you know? Uh, but at the same time, I think bonding has been a little bit easy because I can do what they do. I am a male like them. Uh, and there's a sense of like, okay, we got this. You want to wrestle? Sure, I'll wrestle with you. Uh, and I think that has been really good. Uh, transitioning, I've had also two goals. So it's going really to be easier for guys or for boys uh, to get to know you and feel a little bit more comfortable at home, uh, I would say, unusually uh, in, in an amazing way. Yeah, absolutely. That is, uh, that's interesting because I've just, you talking has brought, brought back some of the, uh, the memories of, of having, having Clark, our son in our home. And he, uh, he's, he's, he's 18 now and actually he's moved out. And so he, it has been a different experience without having him there because, uh, well, we all know boys are just stinky and gross and all the things sometimes. I mean, you, we were both boys at times. And so, you know, we're, I understand even thinking back to myself, I'm like, there, there are just so many things that I've, I've come out of as a, as a, as a, now that I've gotten older. And so I can, you have a little more empathy for them in those scenarios and just even, you know, what it's like to, you know, coming of age and, and, you know, finding yourself and kind of trying to be a man as well. Um, and not really having that before or that positive experience. And may, I, I agree that, you know, I've, I've talked with other, other adoptive and foster dads and it is that you do have that side where some are, you know, completely just angry against all males. Right. Um, but then there's also some that are, that are very, um, open to like, I, I need I need expectations and I need structure, right? That's, that's the thing that I need and they're craving that. And so you're, just putting in basic rules, like, hey, you're going to brush your teeth in the morning. Hey, you shower daily. Like, that's a rule. Um, a lot of times helps them and eases some, some of that anxiety. Have you seen some of those instances? Uh, yes, absolutely. That, you know, it, it's easy to emulate that I can live a life and I just say, hey, you just do like I do. You know, we, we're both male. We, we can do this. Uh, but also the, the other challenge uh, I found was, that yes, they're looking for friends, so they never had a male friend. So you come in and you're able to provide for them, but you're able to play with them. That, that sometimes that fine line of a dad and a friend can be a little confusing for them, you know? That they like you, they connect with you as a friend, but when it comes to dad role, then they are a little bit hesitant to either listen or take you seriously uh, to at least some of the kids that I, I have seen. Uh, or I've heard that they they care, they they they, they want to know you, uh, but also sometimes the friendship uh, can really confuse them. Like, okay, I love this guy, but why would he tell me I have to brush my teeth every day? You know, yeah. yep, you have to. You know, uh, so yeah, so it's it, you know it's they, they come in different ways, and also with the trauma that they had with the male, and also how they come in to adjust to your to your home. Uh, effects on how they do it. And, and two, we get to learn quickly, okay, where did they come from? What was their past? And what was the male role like? And that helps me to know how far can I go? How far can I introduce them? But also 
uh, how far can I be firm with what uh, I can do? You know, I had one little boy, seven year old. His dad was just mean to his to his mom. So every command came with a cuss word or hash or in 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 the worst way you could think of. So when he came to my house, you know, I didn't respond that way. I was kind. I asked him politely, and most time he just looked at me like, uh, you know. Are you sure? You, are you, what are you asking? Because I wasn't, I wasn't cussing. I wasn't yelling, you know. Uh, and to him, that was just unusual, um, you know, to have a dad who doesn't yell. But learning, how do I take commands from him? How do I know when he's serious? Uh, and that was a tough transition. But also really difficult to know that, man, this kid, that's all he had to deal with at five, you know. Uh, that it's, you know, gut-wrenching for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's just it. Is they, if they've never known anything different, they are immediately suspecting yet yeah, you're you're manipulating or something that because you're not yelling or you're not cussing or something at them or belittling. That's we 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 definitely dealt with a lot of that too. That's that's so hard. Um, so when you you know, are obviously raising, raising kids in general, but, uh, we, we just kind of like uh, how we run our home. It's kind of just how we do it. Right. Uh, uh, but we all have these, those, those individual personality traits. Um, have you ever seen kind of some of these, some of these boys or even, you know, your adopted son, maybe start to kind of take on some of your own characteristics or, or something like that. I, I know with, with ours, uh, we have a four-year-old that was, um, the half brother of the teenager that we adopted. And uh, even though he's not mine, he acts just like me. There are so many, like, he's emotional and he has his triggers and all the, all the things. And, and he looks for and tries to be like me, even compared to our other kids. Uh, have you noticed some of that kind of raising, raising boys in general here that, Hey, they want to emulate you? Yes, I'm sorry. I'm seen in two ways when we get, when like right now we have a placement. So how he reacts or how he tells them what to do is exactly, he imitates how I do it, you know? Or, or another way I've looked at it is when we visit or we are visiting other families, you know, how I talk to them or how I respond to things is exactly what he does. And I'm like, oh, my, my goodness, this, this kid is, is me, you know, in, in, so, in so many ways. Or sometimes they're like, man, you're like your son. I'm like, what did he do? Well, he did what exactly he just did. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting, especially I tend to see it more with others, you know, when they're responding to other kids or when they're responding to my placements or when we're visiting other families, that he gets to do what exactly I get to do, you know, most of them at home, uh, which is kind of amazing. That is, that is pretty funny. That's a uh, way I, I, I agree with you. We, we've seen that necessarily when they were responding to things or something. And uh, you know, our, our adopted teenager, it's so funny. I'm a photographer. So I do, I do video and photography and all that. And I always wanted to kind of share that with him and try to kind of get him into that a little bit. And he was, you know, he's always too cool, always too cool for that, you know? And so uh, he has moved out. And so the other day we've started conversations, he bought a camera and he's like, I really want to do some photography. He's like, you know, all those things you were showing me, and it cracks me up because I'm like, we, you could have done this when you lived here. I mean, we still, you know, but it, it is that it's like you see it whenever they're out or whenever they're, you know, obviously interacting with other people. It's you see how much of an effect just your daily personality and traits kind of come out um, on them. That's that's super interesting. Right. There's, there's this funny one I'll tell you. So it's not a pride one to say, you know, boys, we like to let our gas out. You know, we like to, you know. Uh, lose it anytime and for him you know he'd never been allowed to do that so when he came to my house sometimes I would you know 
do you let the tooting go? And then he's like, how can you do that? I'm like, well, it's natural. Why? Is anything wrong? Now it's fun to see him 18 months later. He's able to let it go without complaining. I'm like, oh, what did I, what am I teaching my son? You know? <laughs> but, but the freedom that he was afraid to do, that he's able to learn like, hey, some things are okay. I have to do it absolutely with, uh, with privacy. But at home, as my dad does, it's okay. And for me, that's been really wonderful learning and watching him do uh, that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so kind of even going down uh, a, a route of, you know, um, without, you know, you kind of being a single dad too, and, and how seeing how you uh, respect women basically out in public, how do you teach? How do you teach a son in, in this same way of, you know, there's been just wrong or perverse versions of masculinity, right? Where, you know, men, we don't, we don't cry. We don't, you know, we don't do things. We don't say we're sorry. We, you know, we don't admit mistakes. We, you know, this is how we are. Um, but a lot of times that doesn't, a lot of times it never works in relationships, right? Um, whether, you know, romantic or just even friendships or whatever. Um, how do you, how are you teaching them basically a respect for women? Um, and without without maybe sacrificing, you know, that you can be a man and you can kind of stick up for yourself, but also, you know, respect even just for everyone. How how are you kind of walking through that? Yes. You know, so for me, he just turned, so when he turned 13, he had no interest in girls, but six months ago, I think he started, you know, liking girls. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but also, there are things he'd never been told. So like space or privacy, like, hey, you can't get these clothes you can't touch ladies here. So for me, how I have been able to help is I have close friends who are, have foster kids, but also who, are, who have girls. And so when he's going to visit, when he gets close, they tell me like, hey, uh, you know, we need to teach him how to keep space. We need to. So then for me, I get to have time with him, you know, while we're driving or go throwing a ball. I say, hey, girls, we have to respect girls this way. They are God-given. We, we got to give them everything they can uh, to make sure that we always can never push them or f- make them feel uncomfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and just be really honest with him. For me, that's been really helpful. But from a teaching moment, when, when something happened, rather than just say, hey, son, that's just no, no, no. But rather, uh, really get time to sit down and say, you know, look, we will always respect uh, ladies, we can't push them. We learn how this, when they say no, or we even learn how they have their privacy and we learn to honor it. It's no distancing yourself, but it's honoring what they want. And that's kind of how uh, it's been really helpful for me uh, to teach him, you know, finding teachable moments where I can go back and say, hey, you can't. So for example, texting. He has friends who are girls. So for me, I've been, you know, I go through his phone and I say, hey, you can text someone twice, three times. When they don't reply, you don't need you don't need to send another twenty, you know. <laughs> yes. uh, but but in some way, saying hey, even for me, when I'm dating a girl, if I send ten, I'm being annoying, and if I send twenty, it's just excessive, you know. But I'm trying to really help him by saying, yeah, I I understand what you want to say. I understand how they don't respond to you in time when you want to. But knowing to have those gaps, knowing how, but also using my own, my own example, my own story and say, hey, you know, I had a girlfriend and if I text three times, that meant I was annoying, you know, and you got to learn that you can't just text someone 10 times, uh, let them respond. But again, 
learning uh, through our own experience and really being honest about my own story, you know? Uh, I'll give you uh, another example. You know, some, some of the kids have issues of taking what they don't own, you know, so sometimes candies in the stores or somewhere. But for me, being able to go back and say, son, you know, hear he, the trouble you get into, you know? One, you might go to jail. One, if you take one candy next time, you're going to take 20. Next time, you're going to take 50. But also for me, I was a street kid. I did the same thing. So going back and saying, hey, I did that, but it wasn't helpful. And it could have gotten me in trouble. But once I knew I had a home to be and be loved, that wasn't necessary, you know? And I say, if you want a candy, ask. I'm, I'm your dad now. I can give you whatever I want. If I can, I'll explain why. But now you can. So trying and learning to be honest about my own life, also understanding that some of the, let's say, stealing candy, they were never given that. They had never seen candy that way. So for for them, to them, it's like, well, the only way I can have it is to take it without asking. And so in some way, cutting those behaviors, you know, decluttering the behaviors they've had for so many years, uh, you know, will take patience and repetitive over and over and over and over again. And so that for me has been a learning experience, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And especially sharing your own experiences. Um, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That that goes back to I mean, really any any interaction that you have with somebody, but especially with kids, being able to say, Hey, when I was your age, this is what I did and this is this is the outcome that happened and this is the trouble I got into. I mean, I've I've had those same experiences as well to where I can say, hey, uh, you know, I didn't always respect uh, uh, girls that I was dating and because, you know, not necessarily of, of just understanding that. And that's that's bad. And it, it put obviously, you know, going back and having to apologize or something like that, like just being real. And, and for, for me, especially, especially in that dating scene, um, you know, I was able to share kind of same thing with Clark where uh, a word of advice I got that was told to me back then was um, a boy will push a far push a girl as far till till she has to say no, but a man never puts her in a in a situation where she has to say no. And so okay. it was one of those things that that always stuck with me. And I thought, you know, um, that's some some advice that I want to want to be able to to give with him, especially getting into that dating world and when you know high school and all the hormones and everybody. I mean, it's it's going crazy. And so it is one of those moments where you you try to. Uh, I'll, I'll even say for me of, of trying to respect Alex, um, you know, and what that looks like, like he's going to imitate, you know, a lot of how I, I treat my wife. And so, um, in the home and those frustrations that come up and those arguments, I mean, that's part of normal life, but it's how you respond to that. And, uh, you know, and that kind of even goes into our next question of, of, you know, when you dealing with this and you've talked a little bit about it, but you know, with, with boys, especially and dealing with emotions, Right. Um, emotions are natural, right? And so we we want to encourage like how you're feeling is okay. It's how you're reacting to that is right. is what what the um, you know where you need to be careful. Um, kind of go into a little bit of that of how you how you've dealt with some of the emotions um, with with some of your boys. Well, yeah, the emotions. So you know the other part is you know kids who are coming from foster care sometimes for us as foster parents. They see us. They see us more like uh, uh, we have it all. We, we've done. You know, we 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 we're okay. We we don't understand where they're coming from. 
you know, and, and I think for me, understanding where they're coming from. And also, as we said, highlighting, like, man, I was like you, you know. Uh, you know, for me, I've learned to how to say sorry. Like, it's just not something easy as a male, but sometimes I'm forced to say, man, at this point, either I'm going to lose the opportunity to teach this kid or my pride is just going to not take me anywhere, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So when I accuse or when I assume he did something and I know he did not do to go back and say and I'm really sorry, you know. You're right, I screwed up. That, that wasn't, you know. Uh, you know, also, you know, emotions, uh, to let them be who they are, you know. When my seven-year-old throws a tantrum, you know, I have to let him kind of sometimes let it go, you know, that <laughs> he's seven, he's going to throw it. So I'm going to let him throw, but at the same time, give him time to come back, you know. Uh, the same as my oldest, you know, sometimes he lets the tears out, you know. So rather than just look at it as a negative way, just say, it's okay. It's okay. I know how you feel and it's okay. You can cry it out, you know. But when you feel like you're done, you can come back and we talk, you know. Yeah. But always affirming, you know, putting them down or thinking what they're saying is, um, uh, is you know, is wrong. So for me, let's say, for my oldest, when he's so frustrated, the first thing he would do is cry. But helping him in middle school, like that would not go well in middle school. So so, trying to say, hey, at home, you can feel comfortable to cry. But you get to learn how to control that as well when you're with people or when you're at school. I say, kids are mean, and they're going to use that against you. So you have to learn how when you're frustrated, how to hold it uh, and and go to the bathroom and go somewhere. Or, you know, even for me, I get angry. Like I get really angry sometimes. But, you know, but I'm able to tell him, like, hey, son, I cannot talk now because how I'm feeling isn't right that I will say the right thing. So I'm going to go take a 10 minutes and then I'll come back. So showing him that I feel the same and I do the same, you know, so to give him those coping mechanisms as well that, you know, it's okay to feel, it's okay to let your emotions, but also we can learn how to control them, especially when we're in places that we don't feel comfortable or that could come back and haunt us. Yeah, absolutely. Those tools are so important of having that being able to say, hey, take a walk or, you know, if some some kids I know, even with they want to process with you. So, you know, giving that option, hey, do you want me to sit with you and you want to talk about it or you want to take some time? Um, Just like you said, I mean, I think that that is so important. And then learning, obviously, what they want at different times. Um, but giving those options, I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, and like I said, those tools are, are very, very important um, with that because there's a lot of, lot of undoing that your, you know, trauma is just so, so hard on these kids, especially coming from hard places. And, um, you know, they've probably never been shown or shown very little of how to deal with emotions. Um, you know, or if they've only learned that emotions are bad and we should keep them all completely bottled up and never say anything. And I mean, those a lot of times uh, are where, you know, people explode. Um, And so it is one of those things of having those tools and being able to deal with it. I think it's fantastic. So with that, I mean, you know, talking about emotions and all the things, what's kind of been the hardest thing for you when dealing with kind of undoing, not, not fixing. And I, I use that word to that, that's a terrible word, but uh, like undoing some of the trauma or trying to help walk with these kids through that trauma of, of kind of these broken paths. Um, you know, what, what has kind of been some of the hardest things that you've had to deal with, or maybe even some advice that you would give to dads kind of trying to fill this role of, um, you know, I want to help you in this time and, and, and let you know that it's not, the world isn't always just like that. You know what I mean? 
Right, yes. You know, I think for me the most difficult has been knowing their trauma but then forgetting about it when things happen. Oh, you know, yeah. that has been my, my nightmare. I, feel, that, I know that. I, oh, man, that hits, that hits hard with me. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I know where he's coming from. I know his safe mode. I know his way he protects himself. And it's the quickest place he goes when things go wrong or even when things are a little bit too exciting. But then for me, I forget like, wait, 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 that's kind of how he processes it. That's how he views it, you know? So for me, the hard part has been, you know, uh, when you're trying to help a child in, in, in trauma, you have to do it literally like a million times before you can see any little change, you know? Mm. And, and also those problems become their default, no matter. I mean, the same with me, you know, I don't trust people. So the first thing, if someone is so nice to me, my question is like, why? You know, I never see that as genuine. I always question why. But that's the trauma I had as a kid, not trusting my own father or trusting the people that abuse me on the streets. To always remember that when kids go to their default, you know, and and I and feeling I think for me sometimes why I feel is like frustration, like man, we've said this, we've done this a million times. When will this go away, or when is this gonna stop? You know, uh, but hey, remembering like no, my job is not that it should stop when I want, how, but rather to be patient and constantly remind them to break that cycle you know and it it will it will work out but it's at their own time not a own time i mean this morning i wanted to i was in bed but i wanted to get out and go do something physical bad you know <laughs> and i had to just stay in my bed then i just you know in some way remind like okay peter uh with trauma it, it's an ongoing battle you know you've just had this kid for two years and two months that's not enough to somehow think he should have forgotten where he came from yeah. or what happened to him. So, yes. So for me to go back to that, the hardest part is always remembering where they've come from, the traumas they've had that we can always remember when it comes to deal with them uh, has been my most challenging. Forgetting. Yeah. Forgetting. <laughs> yeah that one like i said that one that one hits pretty deep because that's uh it's so easy to do because you get wrapped up in your day-to-day -day and you get to know them on a different level as well and you just kind of assume well they've just been even even the short time that they're with you it's like well this is this is the environment they know and and you know we, they should know i'm not going to hit them we're not going to scream at a cuss at them anything like that but then you know what i mean like you get you just kind of get in that routine and then all of a sudden there's a trigger and then something happens you're like oh yeah yeah, that's that. It doesn't just heal automatically, and uh, that's a great word of advice to be, to be able to say. It's going to be a million times. You just keep doing it. Just keep keep trying to be consistent. That's what we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. Um, just trying to be consistent every single day. That alone is difficult, <laughs> but uh, that's that's one of those things that you just have to do um, just for these kids. I mean, that's that's it's hard enough to do for yourself, but definitely for uh, for the kids. So, um, okay, so Alex sent me some final questions, so I want to make sure I get those so I don't get in trouble. Okay, so we have uh, we're going to wrap up here with these final questions. Uh, so, what do you wish you would have known at the beginning of this journey? Why do I wish I've known? Um, I wish I had known how it is hard to say goodbye. Mm. Yeah. So when I became a foster dad, I was told of the trauma of what, what I'm going to face. But no one ever really helped me 
to know how to deal with the attachment or the love for the kids when they reunified with their parents or when they get adopted by someone else. You know, that was the hardest for, for me, uh, I think, uh, uh, that you would, you know, you get connected with them, you love them at the same time that, you know, the piece of them just becomes, becomes you uh, and, and overnight to just say, hey, goodbye. When I, I could not sleep without thinking about you, when I could not wake up without thinking about that, you go with absolutely no notice. That was the hardest that I wish I knew, you know, yeah. uh, that I wish someone prepared me for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one is, uh, oh, that's so difficult too. Especially, I mean, obviously the the goal of, of foster care is reunification. That's always the goal. You want to, you know, give them back with the bio parents and make sure everything is good and, and every, everybody can have a new start. Uh, but, you know, when you're moving into that adoption, it, it's hard not to get attached. And I will say, I mean, there are a lot of people that, you know, when we talk about foster care, they're like, well, I just, I just don't want to ever have to, um, you know, say goodbye to them. I know that that would be hard. And, and it obviously, I mean, it is, it's a difficult thing, but. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a natural feel like if, if you, you didn't feel that I would say you are not normal, you know, <laughs> yes, that, yeah. that we are get attached. But at the same time, the other part too that I, that I, I wish I had been told really well, like I really learned how to respect and love their parents, you know, that me fostering their kid meant I needed to include mom and dad with them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I think that probably was the hardest, but at, this, at the end was the most blessing thing I could ever do that I connected with a mom, that I loved the mom, that I didn't, my job wasn't to judge. My job wasn't to uh, tell them the, the little they don't have that I have. Uh, my job was to understand that, hey, while they are taking care of, of themselves, my job is to take care of their little ones. And once they are okay, that they can have them back. Yeah. Uh, and that, man, it took me time. But once I really uh, understood that, it's, it was the best thing I could uh, ever uh, have done because no one told me that no one really told me to force the parents no matter what they did or where they came from but to be there for them that for me that has given me access to the kids to this day that they still call me uh you know when they need something they we can still chat why because i pursued the parents and they saw me as someone who wasn't taking their kids but someone who was there for their kids and loved and cared for them as much as i could for their kids yeah, man, that's yeah, that's so good, Peter. Seriously, that's so good. Yeah, because a lot of people don't think about the relationship afterwards, right? You don't ever think about it. You and I, I we, you know, we were in this system and stuff, and that's a lot of times you try foster parents try to hold on so much because they love the kids and they don't want them to go back to a hard situation. Um, but you start doing that and not like you said, pursuing the parents, I think is fantastic because you're looking out for the best interests of their kid. And they, if you can communicate that, then it will continue that relationship on, on the back end. That's, that's so good. Um, so what do you wish you had done differently at the beginning of this? Oh, done differently. <laughs> you know, I'm adventurous and I learn by having faith and walking in what I don't know, you know, so for me, I wish I had studied earlier. That is what I wish. I wish I had studied way earlier uh, that, because I didn't know men can be foster parents. Uh, and it took me a while to, to know that. But had I pursued it earlier, well, I'm sure that's when God wanted me to. But I wish I had pursued earlier to be a foster dad. Uh, that, that's my, 
That's so good. <laughs> my, my, my regret that there were so many times, so many years that I had that I could have changed a life that I just didn't, didn't, didn't know or didn't pursue yeah. uh, that opportunity. Well, and I think you're doing a good job of, of trying to educate on the back end of that and making sure people do understand it's that you, you can be a, you can be a single dad and you can, you can be, you know, uh, anybody and have such a huge impact in, in kids' lives. So that's, that's awesome. That's a, <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so how has your tribe or community supported you in raising your boys? Oh man, you know, I mean, seriously, I'm a single guy, but in my raising my kids, I feel like I have about 20 women and 20 other men that come alongside, you know, uh, the, here's the cool thing. There are some people who cannot be foster parents, but are willing to come alongside you and help you be the, the best foster parent you can be. You know, yeah. there are also other uh, parents, moms who are foster parents, but they would like to teach you in the best way you, you can to make a good meal for, you, for your kids. So for me, I think uh, intentionally, I, before I became a foster parent, I went to them. I went to four families and I said, look, I'm about to be a foster parent but I'm asking you, would you come alongside me? Would you, when, when I need to go for that run, would you mind keeping my kids? When I can't figure out how to, ki- to cook the amazing breakfast on their birthday morning, would you give me the recipe, you know? Uh, so also when I'm burned out and I, I don't know what to do, is it okay for you that I can call you and you say, Peter, it's okay, you know? So, Yes, I'm single, but I think for me, as a guy, and guys too, we have a problem with being, uh, you know, prideful or just don't ask for help. You know, that's the nature of sometimes what I get into. But knowing that I have friends and families that believe in me, but also believe in what I do, that I can be vulnerable, you know. So that's been really helpful for me to have that foster care village uh, type that my kids also that needed just know I'm a single guy. They can't just see me every day. Uh, having families that can take them for a movie, can take them for a game, or sometimes take them for a, an overnight sleep. It's been really wonderful. And they love to do so. Uh, so I would say you never know uh, <laughs> what your family and friends want to do until they know what you really want to do. So if you can let them yeah. know, uh, it will truly be uh, of great help. And that has been my best village, I can say. Yeah, absolutely. That's so good. Yeah, we've we've had those countless stories in our lives too, where um, even our our, uh, our teenager, he was he's into comic books at a, a certain point. And I, I was when I was a kid, but never really followed up with that. And we had a friend of ours in the church that uh, he's, he, him and his kids are, they love comic books. And so he heard about that and he said, Hey, I'd like to take, uh, take him, you know, just on a Saturday and just go hang out and see a couple comic book stores and stuff like that. And it's little things where you, I wouldn't have thought of that. And, wow. uh, but just having that community and being open about that is, is so, so important. Um, you know, but on the flip side, you know, there are times, um, where, you know, there are misses in our community, right. And where they don't really maybe know how to support us or, you know, maybe do the wrong things. Um, I know for us, we had, when we first started this, there were several friends of ours that, you know, felt like they couldn't really help in that. And so our friendships kind of shifted and went different directions. And, um, you know, it, it felt bad. It was a loss, but, um, they're still around, but it is one of those things where, um, you know, not everybody is fully comfortable, you know, with, with, uh, everything that you're trying to do. Um, have you ever had a situation like that in your community? Yes. You know, there's some people who love me as Peter, 
but I'm not into, you know, they they love me, but they want to protect me. They To them, yeah. if their view of foster care is negative, then they think uh, I'm going to the wrong place. So that the best place they are trying to say is like, I don't think you should go there, you know. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes, you know, those friends, aren't, like they, I don't think they really know you. Uh, if they are doubting what you're about to do. So, yes, absolutely. You know, I have also uh, friends who, uh, you know, I have mostly when you get kids, you don't ask what color, what gender. Gender, yes, I ask for sure. But usually rest, I don't. For me, there's a need for help. I I take any kid. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I have friends who, you know, because predominantly I've got white kids, so they will feel, you know, not like they'll, they'll always feel like, but why do they have to have you know the other kid? And I'm like, kids I need. When do you decide who should, who should not, you yeah. know? Uh, so for me, that they are according to the, the race that I could not understand, that they, they, are, they are blinded by the need of the child, that they are stuck somewhere, uh, that I could not, I could not be friends. I could not, I could not keep them, that I had to, to let go. Uh, you know, uh, but also there are some who have kids and they're always afraid that foster kids have bad behaviors or have the worst. So instead of welcoming you and embracing you, they keep you aside, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that you get to learn uh, that not everyone embraces what you know as true um, and you pray for them and forgive them. But at the same time, like I, I, I just don't need them in my life. If you, if you, if you can't love the ones that I love the most or those in me that we just can't speak the same language, you know, uh, that it's sad. Uh, you know, even on my social media, there are some people who are nasty. <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. The trolls in the comments, they love that. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, absolutely. But you learn how to read that and look the other way. That you don't have yeah. to grow up. You don't have to feel sad. Or, that's their problem that you learn to love your kid. Uh, because no one knows your kid as you do. Um, uh, so that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to kind of sum it all up, what's one piece of advice uh, that you would give, you know, um, a, a dad raising an adoptive kid or foster kid? Man, love, love them. Love them unconditional is the best I can say, you know, yeah. uh, that you, you, They've come from a hard place that sometimes, as I say, that has been my weakness that I forget sometimes. But to love them, even when they go to their defaults, <laughs> even that when the, the, the traumas uh, are triggered by what we do, what we say, uh, to love them. And I, 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 I'm sure, and I've seen that, that love conquers all. And it's really true that when they see how you love them, they, they truly with time get to know that mm-hmm. they can do anything because you, you, you love them. Uh, unconditionally yeah oh peter my friend yes uh it has been an honor and a pleasure and uh, i just can't thank you enough for joining us today um where can people get in contact with you if you have dads out there that that are saying hey i i'm resonating with this uh peter i i need help in this area whatever it is uh where can where can people get in contact with you or reach uh, out or follow you yeah. yes they can they can reach uh to me through uh, Instagram, so Foster Dad Flipper, or they can reach out to me uh, on Facebook, Peter Mutabazi, M U T A B A Z I.
Perfect. Perfect. Love it. That's uh, that's fantastic. And um, so we actually have uh, we're going to do we uh, this is something that's new to me, but uh, apparently on Patreon, Alex has some things set up where we have kind of some rapid fire questions and some a uh, little more that we're going to do later on. But that's only for the Patreon people who uh, who are on there. So if you guys are interested in doing that and checking out some of the uh, the questions that we're going to fire at Peter here, rapid fire style. Uh, go over to patreon.com forward slash uh, the adoptive mom podcast. And you guys should be able to see that information there. But Peter, again, thank you so much for joining us. This has been fantastic. And as a dad, um, I resonated. This has been such good information and just reminders for me and uh, just love what you're doing. Love your story. And thanks again so much. Thank you as well. Thank you so much for listening to the adoptive mom podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.